I'm Lauren. And I'm Austin. And you're listening to Grace and Race. Where we tackle race in light of God's grace. Hey, everybody. What to do? Thanks for joining us again this week. Um, it has been... It has been a long week. Austin, how are you dealing with the time change? Time change, weather change, so much change. And my body normally does not respond to this stuff. So I'm a little confused. I said this earlier off the mic, but we've never done the time change thing with two kids before. It was one thing, doing it with one kid and having to like resync one child up but doing this with two kids it's a whole different ball game totally different and like that's not even to mention our own tiredness and just trying to stay caught up with that it's wild but anyways um yeah thank you guys for tuning back in just a quick reminder that if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, wherever you're listening right now, we would love for you to do that. That way you get this uh, show in your whatever podcast catcher you use every single week. That would be really helpful. And if you want to share this show with a friend as well, that would be so Um, helpful to us it's the best compliment that you could give us is just sharing it and getting somebody else involved in this conversation as well um so last week we talked about the Ahmaud Arbery um the trial that surrounded his killing I did want to say um the episode was titled Ahmaud Arbery trial and just to be really clear Ahmaud Arbery is not on trial um there are three men, um, the a father and son, their last name is McMichael, and another man whose last name is Brian. I don't remember their first names off of the bat, but they're the ones on trial. I did think about that before I post before I posted it and titled it that, um, but it was like kind of just to be honest, like a hard um, thing to title. It would have, it would have been really long. And I wanted everyone to know that this was the trial that was surrounding Ahmaud Arbery's death. Um, but I should have said that last week on the podcast. So I apologize for that. And, um, I have been kind of keeping up. Austin, have you been keeping up with what's going on in the trial at all? Austin's shaking. (laughs) I mean, Austin's also been working like full time and I've been home with the kids. And so I've had a little bit more freedom to like watch some of the testimonies and and things and um it's heavy so I won't go into all the details maybe we can do an update next week at the beginning of our show but I would encourage you guys a lot of the testimonies and stuff are in shorter clips online so you can just go to YouTube um and type in McMichael trial clips there is a really there's a really tough one to hear uh, one of the officers who is um, a first responder. It's about a 13-minute um, interview, or not interview, <clears throat> testimony. So I would really encourage you guys to listen to that just to kind of stay updated with what is going on in this trial. So this week, we're going to be talking about something that we've actually used this phrase a lot in 
probably like at least half of the episodes, I would say, um, we have alluded to the term white guilt. So we're going to talk about that. Austin, can you give us some, a definition of what white guilt is? <clears throat> I don't really know definition. I guess when I hear white guilt, this is what I think of is the disappointment and um, <clears throat> maybe even further, maybe even hatred uh, that white people have. So, okay, I think of it in two. I think of it in two parts. So, if someone is saying, "Oh, I have white guilt," and they're embracing that kind of rhetoric it's usually a disappointment or hatred towards oneself and one's whiteness. Mm-hmm. Now, if someone is saying, if someone's saying to you, oh, that's white guilt, you have white guilt, then I think it turns into something slightly different. It feels more like, uh, well, that's not, that would be white fragility. That's that's different. I guess white guilt is one way, right? Okay, so then can you describe, can you explain white fragility? So white fragility is basically when white people are fatigued and sensitive to racial um, conversations slash being held accountable or being challenged in racial uh, conversations. That it's, They're usually fragile oh my goodness, I can't talk about this or everything hurts me or everything I'm taking personal. Um, even if it's not meant to be personal, it's just it's very fragile. Uh, I, I actually heard someone say this, a white person. The worst thing you can call me is racist. And I just think that's so interesting because for black people, minorities is like, well, that's that's a position of power. You know, it's a, that's associated with power. You know, people who are racist have power over others, or at least thought they did. <clears throat> and so it was interesting that you would hear someone say, that's the worst thing you can call me. And it's like, well, well, the worst thing you can call me, or I've been called, <laughs> I think it's two different playing fields. So they're both hurtful, obviously, but um, I, think white, I think white guilt hits more so that disappointment, that hatred towards whiteness. Um, trying to grow into some kind of frustration uh, whether you think it's healthy or not of, of i guess being white maybe being culpable or responsible or from afar or from close whatever the case may be to the suffering of minorities uh, specifically in the context of the u.s okay so a lot of times whenever we've talked about white guilt before in this podcast specifically it has been in kind of a negative way can you explain about how white guilt specifically, why we would be talking about it in a negative connotation or how it could potentially be maybe even dangerous? The reason why we will is because we believe the scriptures are very clear about different colors and creeds and cultures and all of these things is what we would call sacred. Sacred meaning we don't really have a choice, mm-hmm. right? So for example, Everyone listening today, you didn't have a choice on what country you would be born into. That's something sacred. That's something that God um, chose for you. You didn't put in a resume saying, send me here. You didn't put in a resume. 
the color that you would be, the race that you would be. That's something that God assigned for you. And it's sacred because it's God given. And we know when things are God given, uh, they're beautiful. Right. And so we embrace those things and try to submit them to God as a sacrifice. So when we um, hear stuff like white guilt, it butts against the core value that white people are made in the image of God, just like black people, just like brown people, just like any other um, people group. So we don't want to embrace white guilt because we know there is a part of you that's questioning or even um, maybe shaming God for what he has done. And we want to tell people it's not the whiteness, y'all. It's how we're it's how people use it. It's how we're seeing it played out. That's what's wrong. Uh, being white isn't what's wrong. It's people using whiteness uh, for power, just like using blackness or brown, you know, whatever it is for power and for domination and all these things that aren't in the kingdom of God. Okay. So whenever I first started listening and hearing about how racism in America today affects people, there was absolutely a sense, a, a for sure sense of heaviness that I experienced kind of in multiple areas of, of my life. But specifically, um, I think, I think I did feel white guilt, but I think I also felt something else. So what would you say is the difference between white guilt and feeling guilt over potential racism that you've held in your life like is there a difference there can you talk a little bit about that yeah the white guilt is more associated to identity who i am i'm so upset with who i am why am i white why am i a part of this nasty terrible heritage it's things that you can't control whenever you feel conviction whenever you feel a call to repent from your actions that's 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 more healthy right Mm -hmm. like don't don't let whiteness be i mean think about it. if you really thought it was because you're white that's easy to say i can't work on myself oh well i'm just white in america i mean hey my ancestors been doing this for so long it's just it's just a part of me right if if you want to use that train of thinking but god doesn't see it that way he he expects especially his children uh, and not just expects he equips us to break strongholds and to break generational curses he calls us to do that all the time and raises us up to do that. So if it's really, if you really think about it, it's got to be not who you are, but what you're doing. Address what you're doing. Um, not not who God made you to be, because that's already done. That's already locked in. We're not trying to edit. We're not trying to change what God has done. We're trying to change our nasty behavior uh, by focusing on Christ and letting him wash us clean uh, through the sanctification process uh, after we received him. Uh, and believed in him as our Lord and Savior. So there's a process that gets skipped um, whenever we think it's just our outer selves, right? Um, and it's that's the, the most important, the spiritual component of what God's doing on the inside. So I feel a lot like sometimes separating my whiteness and and racism is hard in my mind. So I... Do you think, and how would you describe this, does simply being white in America make you somehow complicit in racism? Mm, complicit. 
because I, I yeah, yeah 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 I feel like I feel a lot of guilt over that of just like experiencing like not necessarily like oh I hate the color or I feel guilty because of the color of my skin but I feel guilty because of what I'm afforded based on the color of my skin and I would I would tell you those are two different things. Mm-hmm. You just clarified and said the things that I might be afforded, right? It's not being white. It's the idea of someone has to recognize that whiteness and then award it. Mm-hmm. What we know is that the U.S. is becoming more diverse more than ever. And it actually is starting through biracial families, uh, whether that's uh, black and white, whether that's Asian and black, whether that's um you know hispanic and black we know that the u.s is becoming more diverse so let's just carry this out what if 30 years from now white people are the minority right Mm -hmm. there's less white people in the country than maybe two or three other groups if that were to happen we would feel a difference in a a shift right especially if socioeconomics played its uh, way out where it wasn't most of the wealth coming from people who are white. If that played out, your feeling about white guilt is going to be totally different. Mm-hmm. It will be because you, even though you know the history, you know there's something about right now in this moment mm-hmm. in time, understanding, wow, my whiteness right now in the heat of Everything going on, cancel culture in the heat of, you know, the woke movement in the heat of all of these things that are coming that have some good qualities. I think they have some damaging and toxic uh, qualities as well, and they need to be addressed. But some good things can come from it for sure. So I think the cultural context of right now, that helps you or I don't know if it's a help, but I think that's what aids your feeling guilty is understanding the dynamic right now. It's not just a past thing. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. That's really, let me just imply, it's not just a past thing. It's not something that our grandparents dealt with and now it's over and you feel guilty about 50 years ago. You understand now in this moment, there is a great chance if you were involved with the scuffle with a black woman and officer, a white officer walked up and said, what's going on? you feel bad because you believe that a white officer will believe you more. Mm-hmm. Not even knowing you or her. You feel that. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. So what is the balance? Like, what is the balance between being burdened and sad um, about racism and about those things that I might be afforded that other people aren't? And white guilt like and living in white guilt how do you how do you decipher between the two like how fine is that line really for me i would tell you if you're a christian listening you really need to listen to the holy spirit because some people are built to sit in that longer than others some people are called to sit in that longer than others and you really have to listen to god on this because if you try to put into your own hands you're not going to realize your limitations and what God is trying to take you from or put you into. So some white, some of my white friends and family, I would say, 
yeah, you need to go into limitations. You need to weep way more about this. You're not you're you're not letting this wash over you. You need to do more research. You need to do more history lessons. You need to we need to take you boots on the ground, go see things because it's just it's not hitting you like it ought to. Some people in my family, friends, it's hitting them too much. Mm-hmm. They need to take a step back <laughs> because they're starting to go into that dark place of I'm the, you know, I'm the problem. It's always me. Yes, there are things you can do to make it better. Of course, of course, of course. But to pin all of the racial issues that this country has has just committed and the atrocities and, and just the violence and to say it's all on you, I mean, come on. That's not healthy. That's not accurate. It's not healthy. So uh, always find ways to combat. I always like saying this. If a racist ancestor hates uh, what you're doing, you're probably doing something <laughs> towards the right direction. So, you know, if they would be disappointed with you having friends and family of a different racial background, then start. I mean, you should know, OK, I probably shouldn't keep that tradition going in my family. I shouldn't keep that tradition going in my friend group. Right. If you know that you typically don't listen to. I told Christians this a couple of years ago, start listening to black pastors because they needed to start seeing black um, people preach the word. So they don't think that it's a Western, uh, you know, a white religion, quote unquote. They needed to see that they needed to hear brothers and sisters, sound doctrine, loving the Lord, preaching, because something in your subconscious can be very wrong. If all of the men of God in front of you are white. That's not that's not a good message. That is not a good message. Um, I don't care where what country I don't care what country you live in. I don't care. It, not all of men men of God should be one color. You should be able to see men of God. Um, you should be able to listen to women of God who cover all different spectrums. Um, right. So just wanted to put that out there. Did, did I answer your question? Yeah, and it actually brought up another question. Um, I feel like I'm I'm asking a lot of these questions because we talk about white guilt, but we like kind of talk over it. Um, I don't know that we've actually had this conversation very much where we kind of get down in the nitty gritty and talk about like this specific feeling and um, and just what it means. So, talk to me about how, or do you think? I mean. Do you think that living in like living in white guilt can actually halt needed progress? And if so, how? So whenever you're dealing with guilt <coughs> and you're wallowing and there is a point that gets bad because it's you focused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and isn't that the problem? Like think about it. If you th- if you really believe that White people have been treating black people poorly for hundreds of years in this country. I mean, a place where you could be a law-abiding citizen and discriminate against, hurt, torture, even kill, right, people of color and still be seen as a law-abiding citizen. That was a real reality here in America for a long, 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 long time. So if you think about that and you're like, oh, my gosh, I just hate myself, I do, and you're just focused on you, isn't that a part of the problem that you weren't considering your black and brown neighbors or people weren't considering their black and brown neighbors, their black and brown image bearers, black and brown brothers and sisters in Christ? 
So you're by you focusing on you only, how you're the problem, you, 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 you're, you're still neglecting the group of people that has been hurting. So instead of figuring out or thinking about you, 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 think about how you can help. Think about how you can give back. Think about how you can support. Think about how you can break strongholds, which are mental patterns about people that are just untrue. Um, and, and that cause hate and more fear and more division. You could just help help that. So you say it best, Lauren, whenever someone has a family, start in your house. Mm-hmm. Start in your household. Quit trying to change the world when your house is out of order, right? Get your house in order. Make sure they know the differences between the racial differences and how God has created us all and loves us all and doesn't desire for any of this to to take place the way it is. So start with your house. Then you can move to your friend groups. Then you can move to, you know, other spheres of influence, whether it's work, church, whatever, and, and just see who you can impact around you uh, with love, patience, but also with, also with truth. <laughs> Yeah, this is something that I struggle with. This is something that I feel like I'm kind of having to fight a lot because I'm trying to think of how to word this. I can just pinpoint in kind of my story and my relationship with you, um, just the process of God showing me this specific area of brokenness in the world. I can pinpoint a lot of times when burden and sadness turned to guilt, which just absolutely paralyzed me. And, and I think for like bad reasons, I I think that there is absolutely a time that we need to rest and we don't, we have to, recognize that things are heavy and sometimes whenever we're seeing things that are really heavy for the first time um it is a moment we need to take a moment to reflect um but it it gets it's it's paralyzing whenever you feel insane guilt over something right guilt is not it's not from the Lord. And so it's, it's a state of being that often puts us in a, in a really tough spot. So, um, just specifically, I guess in my own situation, I remember probably a lot of times before, but the most specific time that I remember just feeling this way was last year, probably whenever a lot of us were in a, in a space of learning and listening. I, we were like, so boots on the ground at the beginning of the movements that were happening and we were having conversations with friends and it was like bam 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 and then when everything started to slow down and whenever like everything was more quiet and people weren't talking about it as much on social media and I guess there wasn't just as much like passion coming from all sides of the spectrum I feel like I had a lot of time to think and I think in all of that thinking I started to feel like man, like I'm going to be the only person. I was also pregnant with Ezra at this point. And the idea of like, I'm the only completely white person in our family, Austin. And then even like in 
like extended to your side of the family. I don't know. It just got really heavy of like what, like why don't, why don't I have to face these things directly? And it made me feel guilty and sad. And the thing is, is it just feels like such a fine balance because like sadness and sorrow over this terrible thing is right. Like I should be feeling that. Um, But guilt over something that God made me is not right. And it just feels like it's such, it just feels like such a hard balance. It feels like it can go one way or another. And I want so badly to use the sadness to motivate me to like to motivate me to make things better for the people around me and to use things that I have been afforded to hopefully like help the cycle to end at some point. I don't know. Do you have any kind of thoughts around that? No, I get that. And you're right. It's that balance. And that's why I always say pray, you know, listen to the spirit on it because it's just different for different people. I really believe that. I think we want all white people to be at this place. We want all black people to be at this place. We want all Asian people to be at this place. We want everybody to be at this place. But God has the best place. And especially when we talk about advocacy, we all have different roles. I use this analogy over the summer. It's like, you know, the last dance took place, right? One of the best dynasties in sports history, the Chicago Bulls. Basically eight years, what, six championships, two three-peats. And everybody can't be Michael Jordan. As many rings as they want. Everybody can't be Michael. You can't be averaging 25 shots a game, right? Some people have to come off the bench. And we need you. Even though you're coming off the bench, we need you, Steve Kerr. (laughs) Hit that shot. And then you go back to the bench, you, you rest. Then when you get your number call, you step up again. You see what I mean? Some some of y'all, we need you to rebound. We need you to we need you to do certain things. Everybody can't have the same status, the same feelings, the same what background, the same walk. The the, av- are the people who advocate are allies. They have to be diverse too. Mm-hmm. We need diverse allies. We need white people who feel extra guilty because you grew up in the South. And the N-word was used all around. And you remember seeing black people in the fields picking. That's going to be a different kind of pain when you think back to that racism. We need allies who are in the North. Who saw over and over that glass ceiling over black employees knowing that no matter what they did no matter what they said no matter how they acted they weren't going to get promoted it's it's a different kind of pain but both are important you see what I mean so I, I use that because I think sometimes we try to make our allies in a monolithic group and I don't think that's going to be helpful because we need your differences so that you can go to different cultures, different white cultures, because that's true, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't business corporate, you know, white America different than rural? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. So, yeah, we need that. 
Can you clarify something for me real quick? Yeah. So one thing that you just said is we need white people who feel extra guilty because they were raised in the South. And then you t- we're talking about. So when you say that, do you mean, and you can say no to this question, but I think I know what you mean. You mean like who are experiencing guilt over racism, not yes. just being white. Correct. You, your experience based on how bad your surroundings were and your knowledge and how bad maybe it wasn't even surroundings maybe it was you but your knowledge has grown your love has grown and you're able to see that yes we're going to need white some white allies who have deep deep burdens for racism uh, and guilt for racism not for being white but mm-hmm. for for seeing that being complicit or even aiding and leading that you know yeah, and I think that's just to hit on that again, that's a really important thing to clarify because a lot of us are guilty of having been racist or having been complicit in racism. And what we are not saying is that we should just pretend like our racism never happened. That's that's not what we're saying. It's like specifically tied to like your skin being white and there be not like nothing that you can do to change that in this moment. Austin, what is it like whenever you're sitting across from someone who is very clearly plagued by white guilt, like what are those conversations like? How, how does that affect you as the person who is experiencing, who, who's experiences racism? Well, (coughs) excuse me. Well, it really depends on the person. Sometimes I've been around people like that, and it made me think this isn't a real genuine moment. This person is more caught up in them and who they are and what they're not versus trying to help me out and and see how I might be supported in this you know situation that is clearly um, troubling to maybe a black or brown person. So sometimes it's kind of sad because it's like, oh, are you just putting on a show right now? Just to make it feel like you really care, like that. I'd rather you not say anything than to try to act like. And then that's awkward too, because sometimes they do care, right? And it just doesn't come off that way. So I've had that happen. Honestly, I get pretty depressed because it's like when you're admitting, oh yeah, there's racism in the world and it's terrible. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, right? That's why I'm crying. And then they're like, and guess what? I'm actually playing a big role in that. And and guess what? Can't change because I'm white. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, okay, this is literally hopeless. Like, there's nothing about this that is helpful <laughs> in the moment, right? Like, oh, great, my white friend or family member, they're, ra- they're racist and they're continuing it. And now they hate themselves. That's not helpful. And I always talk about guilt versus conviction because in the scriptures, when you feel guilty, you take matters into your own hands. You don't go to the Lord with guilt. You go to your flesh with guilt. And that's what's scary. Judas felt guilty for betraying Jesus. And what did he do? He hung himself. That literally did nothing good. Nothing. Cain, he felt guilt. Killed his brother. I mean, guilt doesn't lead you to promising and healthy change. It doesn't. Normally, it doesn't. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. And whenever we talk about conviction... The reason why that's good is it'll usually call you back to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So instead of you 
thinking, oh, how awful of a person I am and I'm just and make yourself the, the main character, you you would be reminded how God is the main character. What has he done? How has he made a way for you to grow and abstain from your um, immorality and your wickedness and favoritism? How has he been a true and better version of you and already set the path uh, for you to follow? Because he's not just going to be the object of your faith, but also the example mm-hmm. of your faith. So I always tell people guilt will lead you to your flesh. Typically conviction usually leads you back to God. And that's a great place to be because he has the best balance for each person on like conviction. Like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And also patience and kindness and tenderness. He's the perfect combo. No man can replicate that. That's so good. Turning white guilt on its head and I mean, turning it into, because though God does not condemn, God does not condemn us for being white. He does not condemn his children for being white. Um, but I think we can have, I think that white people can have conviction, not conviction of like, I'm not saying the same thing, but just a different word of, oh, I'm convicted because I have this skin, but I'm convicted to do something because I have this skin. Like I'm convicted to do something because God's put me in this position where I can, um, where I don't have to worry about racism specifically um, affecting me. And it might not be comfortable, right? But often conviction leads us to do things that are not comfortable, um, to do things that go against what our flesh wants to do, what we naturally want to do in our human states. Um, I will say, I, I feel like I have a lot of conversations with people who are experiencing white guilt, maybe more than Austin. I'm not a hundred percent sure we could probably hash that out in a conversation off mic at some point. Um, but I feel like Austin, I get a lot of people coming to me for some sort of reassurance, like who are feeling guilt, maybe because like their social media timeline is telling them, you know, or they feel like they should feel guilt because of what's on Facebook or what's on Twitter, or whatever, and so they're coming to me for reassurance of like, oh, you're not racist, like, oh, that's not about you, Um, because oftentimes, like, when we feel guilty, what do we do? We try to go to someone to help, to try to, like, rid us of that guilt, right? It's like, oh, no, you didn't actually do a bad thing, like, you're not actually doing that, and so maybe listeners because probably a lot of you guys are in positions if you're listening if you're listening to our voices right now i would imagine that a a decent majority of you are trying to make a difference in some way right whether it's just you're starting by listening and you're starting by thinking through maybe it's that like austin said you're starting with your family but the thing is is when you start to make a difference people start to notice people around you maybe it's your coworkers, maybe it's your extended family and whenever something comes up you may very well be in the position of the person that someone comes to for reassurance that like hey you're not guilty you're not guilty of that and you're not guilty because you're white and i know that being white doesn't make you racist and and those things might be true 
But I think that it's important for us to be in the position where we can say that truth of like, no, God did put you in the skin that you're in. Like he did, he did bestow that on you. That is true. And also that can be true. And it can also be true that experiencing whiteness in this country puts us in a position where we are, might be tempted to be complicit in racism at some point. It puts us in a position where we may be afforded privileges that other people aren't afforded. And so like both things can be true. We can be not guilty and we can also, like Austin said, be convicted to do something. And so I would just challenge you guys who are listening, um, like not only be thinking about like how we can fight that feeling for ourselves and how we can flip it on its head. But also think about like, especially we're going into holidays, like as we're having conversations with family, I do not know what's going to happen with this trial, but I know that at the end of trials, things spark back up. Like we're probably about to start having these conversations again. And so be ready, be ready to share these truths, be ready to teach them to yourself so that you can then like teach them to others. And I think that that's probably conversations is going to be one of the best ways to like flip this narrative on its head and turn guilt into conviction, which then turns into action. Um, and I think God can use that little, that little cycle of things to make big change. And I pray that he does. Amen. Awesome. Well, I mean, that's like 36 minutes and that's all the questions that I had. Did you have anything other to add uh, to this conversation, Austin? All I want to say is if you have used white guilt as conviction or deep empathy or you've used it in, you know, a more healthy, what I would consider a healthy way. I'm not trying to bash you tonight. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to feel bad for that tonight. I would suggest you find a different word. I would, I would, especially Christians, I would not champion white guilt. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Just because it's just so, for example, people say, well, why do you do white privilege? Well, privilege, take away the white privilege. We see the scriptures. We see privilege in scriptures all the time. Privileges are for certain people groups, for certain um, demographics, for certain things that have nothing to do with race privilege right i always use the example we saw we see the privilege that a lot of athletes get some of the behavior man if your chess team was out here with all these sexual assault and drug charges and you know what i mean that they they're not they're not playing chess at their schools anymore it's over but because they're playing in a sport that brings in a lot of revenue and there's a lot of people at the top who are making money you'll see allowances and you'll see privileges and that goes for white football players that are really good and what and black football players that are really good. It's sad. It's very, very sad. But there are privileges that you can get as an athlete, right? So privilege happens in a lot of different sects and a lot of different areas, right? So I always tell people that. And you see that in the scripture. That's why there's, uh, in James, when he's pre uh, preaching against favoritism, we see privilege that was going towards the wealthy, Oh, you're rich? Come on towards the front. We got a spot for you. We got a seat for you up here. I saw my poor, oh, no, no, you sit in the back. We can't have you up in the front. Mm. There, there was a privilege because they had money, because they had wealth. So 
I can say white privilege, knowing the cultural context. I have conviction before the Lord saying that I, I can't, I have no, no, um, confidence before the Lord saying white guilt at all. And you might, you might have that freedom in God. So I'm not going to shame you. What I'm going to say is as your brother, I'm going to ask, find something else to say. You don't want people to embrace. Just like I'm not going to ask people to embrace pride. You know what I mean? Being prideful. Like I'll never say, like I'm trying to stop saying that now. I'm proud of you. Because that in the context of the Bible, pride is never a good thing. It's the thing that separates us from God. So I try to say something different. I'm pleased with your efforts. I'm pleased with how you did that. Because that's what God said. He didn't say, I'm, prou- I'm proud of you, Jesus. He said, I'm, this is my son who I'm well pleased that was actually a Bible study. One of my friends and mentors, he he did a Bible study in our school. I'll I'll never forget that because it was so powerful. I was like, you're right. Why am I embracing this word? Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't mean that you're a dirty sinner and, you know, your motives are off. It just means I'm, I bet you there's a better word that I can use. And let me just try to do that. That's really helpful. Yeah, I think as you were talking white privilege is the thing that it's a thing that can really kind of be measured in our world and guilt is a feeling um that comes as like a result of things I think that that's really helpful taking away the white and just thinking about those words and what they mean and how we respond to them is really important um how God calls us to respond when we're in positions of privilege how God calls us to respond whenever we are experiencing guilt um that those are all things and I think that anything with the word white in front of it or any word in front of it like go back to the basics and say how does God call me to treat this thing in scripture and then how like okay so how do I apply it in this specific situation I think is important um way to see what what God has to say about these things that feel maybe like the Bible isn't speaking directly into them but God didn't shortchange us with his word um and we can absolutely go back to it whenever we're thinking about these things. We do have an episode on white privilege. It's, I think, maybe in like one of the first 10, 10 episodes. But yeah, go back in our archives and you can listen to our episode on white privilege. That might be helpful when we're kind of thinking about these things. I wanted to mention that since we brought it up. But we appreciate you guys coming back. Um, we'd really so appreciate it if you left us a rating and review. It just helps more people um, helps more people learn about our show and, and see us and join this conversation as well. So if you have any questions or any topics that you want to specifically talk about, we would love to continue this conversation with you, and we would love to do an episode on the topic that you want to talk about. So please feel free to contact us. If you know us, if you're family and friends, feel free to shoot us a text or a message on Facebook or whatever. And then if you're not, if you don't know us very well, we're both on Instagram. I'm Lauren two underscores groves and Austin is groves 8070. There's some sweet pictures of our kiddos on there. You can look at that while you're there. All right. That's us signing off. See you later. Peace.